Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid. Welcome to another episode of the NRL Supercoach All-Stars Podcast. This is Barnsley back again for another week. Joined once again with Billy. Billy, welcome aboard again. Yeah, mate. New, new week. Ready to go again. How did you manage in the um, round 17? I um, I thought it was a pretty tough one. We've said for a while now it's almost a second buy. The week after some of these buys. And, geez, round 17 was absolutely carnage. I don't know about you, but like out of 23 guys that I could have played, I only had um, 18 um, options, and I had to cop an AE, so it was pretty tough. Yeah, yeah, the same thing, mate. Had to, I think, like, a lot of people had to cop an AE for um, uh, the fullback. I was uh, cheering at one stage, and um, I ended up um, playing um, Young Cust and benching uh, Johnson, like we talked about last week. I didn't find he was on 53 at sort of half-time, and ended up on 56. I only have 20 points taken away. Johnson was looking like a masterstroke until he just went ballistic, and <laughs> I was I was a little bit happy that he was um, going to be my auto emergency. But then I looked over in the corner and out the corner, my I saw a far out the stop ticket and sticking out like a sore thumb. I know he's going to score thirty. Anyway, yeah. I was kind of lucky because um, Cleary got ruled out, which meant that I had to play SJ anyway. Otherwise, I may not have, and then. With my AE, I actually had 19 players, not 18. With my AE, it was basically out of Stags or Nakora, and one scored 45, and the other one scored 44. So, uh, and they were both my two lowest scoring players. So, um, aside from Kikia, who was like 42 or something, so I couldn't have really done any better with what I had. Having said that, what I had wasn't very good, so I didn't really go anywhere on the rankings. But uh, round 18 now, mate. We've we've all got our full teams pretty much back, so we should be ready to rumble again and, and move up a little bit. Well, just before you called me, I was reading the stats. Someone threw up the uh, top five um, players in every every position in their ownership, and it's scary to see how um yeah how, how familiar it is now. I think you're going to have at least the ten ten to twelve players, but this with a staple, you know, Teddy Turbo Tedesco. You know what I'm talking about, though. Very very high ownership players, so. It's going to be hard to pick some pods, pods that are going to outscore people like that, but let's see what we can find out. Yeah, I mean, just speaking about that generally, because it's a good segue into the mailbag, um, I think a couple of the things that are sort of positives for people, um, one, a lot of teams are obviously running it low on trades, or the trades that they have, they're really earmarked to do the moves that they need to get the final team they want, and have some in the bank for any injuries and stuff, so any sort of pod factors or guys that come up that end up having some value at the moment uh, or might have been luxury pods to get in, you'll find a lot of teams won't be able to do it, um, which is going to make the pods that you maybe already own even more valuable. Um, so, And we'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, the other thing that we'll talk about a bit more in the mailbag, because we'll get to it quite a bit, is the emergence of um, RTS means that a lot of teams are reconsidering whether they're going to burn that other trade to get either a Teddy or a Turbo in, um, which we've got a lot of questions about as well. So I think the fact that, because we're at the tail end of the season, um, the, the trade factors and volume of trades, along with cash to spare, really is going to help a lot of teams that manage to get some good pods in. And I still think it's going to mean that there's quite a bit of value um, in some other pods that we're going to talk about as well. So l- let's go into the mailbag, though, because we'll cover a heap of this. We've got some great questions this week. The first one's from Kyle. Who do I trade to get Latrell between Masters 
Aitken or Nakora? Uh, that's the first part of his question. And the second part is, also, should I get JFH by trading out Sergis? So let's handle the Latrell part of that one first. Who do you think out of Masters, Aitken or Nakora, you'd be dropping for Latrell? I haven't looked too much at Aitken lately, um, but I'd, I'd be I'd be keeping Nakora uh, purely because of his dual um, dual coverage. Um, he, he's he's an emergency for two positions, and the worst the worst case scenario, like he's giving you fifty points for doing that sweet FA lately. So if that's the worst worst you're going to get for a centre three quarter, I'd be putting the bloke like Masters, who's out of form and just doesn't seem to be going as well on the other on the other side of the park, mate. Um, on on Aitken, um, I might leave you to sort of discuss him. I haven't really followed him lately. I know he sort of had a little bit of a resurgence, but um, what's um, what's their draw like? How, how's he been going the last couple of weeks? So um, Aitken's base stats have still maintained being at a really good level. On the weekend, he had his worst base stats since he started again six weeks ago, uh, which was 33 points, which still isn't too bad, particularly when the, the Dragons played awful against... The Raiders. So his base has been 33, 39, 38, 41, 41, and 41. So quite good. Having said that, he's got a break even of 87 um, and he's 433k. I myself, like you, would much rather keep Nakora. I think it's a lot safer and he's still got the upside, just as much or more upside as what Aiken has, regardless of draw. Uh, And I would also keep Masters purely because um, he's, when they're both firing, I think Masters is a better player anyway. Yes, Masters has been very disappointing, but I still think that he's got more upside um, than what you and Aitken has. So I'd be getting rid of Aitken out of the three. Um, and, I mean, Aitken's only got a three-round average of 48, which is probably similar to Masters. His five-round average is 57, but the Dragons have been a shambles. To talk about the draw, if it wants, to, if you want to look at it to change your mind, they've got Penrith, Souths, Eels, Titans, and then Sharks, Roosters, Tigers, and Titans to finish off. So... Bit of a mixed bag, probably 50% are, are pretty good games and 50% are a bit tougher. Yeah, well, let's face it, um, it's June, July, isn't it? Dragons are pretty much right on the right on the calendar spot, so... <laughs> yep. So, yeah, they're doing what they usually do, mate. Um, yeah, look, if, if those are the numbers for him, then, yeah, support that. Uh, if Aiken's got a base but, uh, a base of 40 and the core has got a base of 50, you, you can get rid of the guy with a base of 40. Um, yeah, the goal-kicking masters can have can have a day, but so yeah, out of those three, probably could get rid of Aiken, then Masters, and Decor in that order. Yeah, I agree. Um, so the second part of the question was if you should get JFH in. Uh, now Fisher Harris has been um, a solid surprise this year. He'd be training out Sergis to do it. Sergis hasn't been named this week. Uh, you assume he'd hopefully be back next week though. JFH the last couple of weeks has come back to form. Um, 71 and 78 points, and that's included 55 and 68 points in base, uh, which has been absolutely phenomenal. Before that, he had a bit of a drop-off where he went 54, 48. Big one of 78 points in round 12 for the buy, but then 55, 50, 59 before that. So he kind of dropped off where he was getting solid 50s um, with one big score in there basically in six weeks. And then the last couple of weeks, he brought back in with massive um, base stats to help him. I would probably still hold the trade. Um, it's not. I mean, I think partly because for myself, I think Sergis is a pretty good option anyway for the run home. Part of that as well is Sergis is good. Part of it as well is that if you don't do the trade, you're not going to be much worse off than getting in Fisher-Harris and you're also going to have that extra trade to play around with in case you get an injury or you can do something else with it. 
I'd probably rather do something else with it than get Fisher Harris in personally. Yeah, look, they've gone on a roll lately. Um, if you asked me this question three weeks ago, I would have said no way. Um, he's gone from um, lock back to the front row, and when, when he's playing on on, on the edge, um, just doesn't seem to have, have uh, relies more on attacking his stats. But when he's in the front row, you think you'd be getting some less minutes, but you still seem to be getting um, between seventy and eighty minutes, which is just unheard of for an eight or a ten. So, if he's going to keep getting those minutes, then yeah, he's probably a sneaky option, but. Um, uh, Penrith going to keep going on, going to keep going on that roll, and is he going to keep getting to the thirty-five minutes? You're going to have to be banking on that. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he keeps getting the minutes. Um, it, it would just be a matter of whether you really want to burn that trade or not. And we don't know how many how many trades he's got, um, but I'm assuming it's going to be pretty low. And I'm also assuming that uh, he he'd have other options to to use for a trade instead in the next few weeks. So I'd probably hold it myself. So next question is from James. And he's asked, who goes, Masters or Nakora? Um, he's fifth and sixth centres. One needs to go to get Ponga back in. So obviously getting Ponga back in uh, is a must. Um, Masters or Nakora, both have been a bit underwhelming. Nakora, I think, um, yeah, he's got like a six-round average of about 48 or 49 points and has not been going well. Masters is someone who I was actually remarking to somebody today that He's actually one of my worst buys of the year. Uh, I can't believe how badly he's gone. Um, so I bought him in basically after the round 12 buy. And after round 12, he's gone 37, 39, 42, 84, and 30. That is absolutely atrocious. He's got a five-round average of 46. Even with the soft games, um, like against the Cowboys, he only scored 39 points. Um, and even on the weekend in a game that had a lot of points against the Eels, he only made his 30. Uh, and he got upgraded for 25 to get there at the last minute. So Masters has been really bad. Obviously, Nakora has been pretty bad as well. I'm probably leaning towards um, punting Masters. I think Nakora's obviously got the base that he can at least lean on, and I'm not really seeing Masters getting involved very much, which has been really concerning for me. I just don't have the trades to get rid of him, so he'll probably sit there as my sixth centre wing and just and just wait for a few matchups here and there, Billy. But if I was in uh, James's position, Masters to Ponga looks on. Yeah, I do the same, mate. Um, but both of them are away this week. But um, what's his name? Masters is away to the Raiders, and they don't make any points. Um, Nakora is away to the Warriors. So if anyone's going to leak points, I'd, I'd be banking on, S- on SJ doing um, showing up versus his old versus his old team sitting off his hip. I'd bank on him scoring more points than sort of Masters that week. And um, if you go to the following week, um, the Sharks are back at home versus the Cowboys, who know how to leak a few points as well. Uh, whereas the Tigers are away and versus a resurgent Knights um, with Ponga back. So, yeah, the next two weeks match matchups, I'll be back in the core anyway. So, yeah, agree with you. And I will just say with Masters, because it's come up a bit on the forums and we're not going to get to all those questions, as a Masters owner, I'm not looking to punt him. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with holding him and just using him as your fifth or sixth centre win and rotating him for a couple of games. He still could come good. If I had 12 trades or something, then I'd be looking at trading him, but... I think it's fine to hold him. There is a chance that he does have a bit of a resurgence. Obviously, Billy mentioned Canberra this week is a tough one away, and it is. After that, though, the Tigers do hit Newcastle, Cowboys, uh, Bulldogs, Manly, Newcastle, Saints, and then Sharks at the end. And teams like Saints and the Sharks have really fallen off, um, and even Newcastle could still allow quite a few points in that back line as well. So I don't think the Tigers have got a bad draw at all for Masters to go, okay, if you need to hold on to him, I don't think it's the end of the world either. 
we've spoken quite a bit about Nakora, um, and we basically got inundated with about 15 questions from people saying, is Nakora a sell? So let's focus a little bit on Nakora. We've spoken about it a few times on the various podcasts. Um, I mentioned that I thought it was a bit of a pod move, um, maybe for round 12 to get rid of him, and I've said, lamented before that I really wish that I just pulled the trigger. His scores out of round 12, 41, 54, 34, 58, and 45 have not been flattering. Five-round average of 46, um, three-round average of 46. At least he's been consistent. His base has been very up and down. He's had his lowest 38 and as high as 55 in that six-week run. The core is only priced at 418000 but he's only got a BE in the low 50s, so he's not going to leak much more cash. Do you think that he's a, a sell, um, or what would you be doing with Nakora? No, I'm just holding him because there's plenty of other people you can get rid of at this time of year. And like I said before, his, um, his dual status is tempting. Um, he's not exactly going to light the ball on fire. Even even earlier this year when he was scoring tries, um, he'd still sort of, you know, mid-60s, mid-70s. It's nothing you can't really get from uh, another forward. And let, let, let's, let's face it, you pretty much everyone's pretty much got another four centers, three quarters, which are probably better than him anyway. So he's just a, a good option to have to have on the bench. But if you really, really need to cash someone in, yeah, he, he's, in, he's an easy cash. Yeah, I agree. I think the, the main thing with Nakora is I think that his upside has completely fallen off with the Sharks' performances. So to start the year, four out of his first seven games, he either had a, a, a stats in the scoring column or the creativity column. So he's either getting you know um, assists, tries, line breaks, um, tackle breaks, and so forth. Um, that's just completely evaporated. Um, he's he's just got nothing of that in the last couple of months. It's been any meaningful points, and I think that that's really where um, he's fallen down. His base has gone down maybe a little bit in some of the games, but I think it's that upside. The next two weeks, he's got the Warriors. And then he's got the Cowboys. And the Sharks are pretty desperate. Um, so I assume that they're probably going to turn up for those. SJ's been named to play this week, so he should be there, hopefully. So these next two weeks, it could be a bit of a resurgence for Nakora. And somebody who we saw that with was uh, CHN. Um, oh, sorry. Someone who we saw that with was uh, Nickel Clockstad. So he was obviously a cow like Nakora at the start of the year. Uh, and then had a four-week run of, of scores in the 30s and looked like a dud. Um, but he was a fullback that we saw as a centre wing eligible guy that was probably a keeper all year that we all jumped off. And lo and behold, he's, he's come around and he's gone back to his earlier season form. Similar can probably happen with Nakoris. So um, I'm with you. I, I would be just holding him. Um, probably two options I'll put to you, Billy, and you can tell me if I'm crazy. I would sell him if I had a clear upgrade to go to and I really didn't have anyone else to trade. Um, so, uh, you know, someone like um, your mate at the Eels, Manu. Manu's a, a 6 or 7% owned player at the moment. He's a better centre wing, second rower dual. Um, if I didn't have him, I'd rather him than the 60% owned Britain Nakora. And if I had no other way to do that, then I'd probably pull the trigger on that trade. If I had a bucket load of trades, um, I would also consider doing it. Um, but I don't think too many teams are in that boat. And probably the final thing is, if I had and my squad is absolutely pimped, and Nakora is one of the worst couple of guys, I think you could probably afford just to get rid of him. But those are probably the only circumstances. Other than that, I think that the other teams would probably have some other guys they could get rid of instead. You'd probably find at least half of those wouldn't even be playing him. He's just, uh, um, he'll either be sold by a few this week or he'll be um, a backup emergency for someone. 
I, I, I don't think you'll be. I reckon you'll probably see maybe 15, 20 percent of people actually playing this week. Yeah, it, it's a hard one, mate. You're gonna have to pick and choose, but when they're playing, but yeah, you can do anything you want with him, and it wouldn't be the wrong move. The duel really helps him. You wouldn't be keeping him if you're sitting in your second row. You'd want to get him in your um, in your centre wing. Oh, I mentioned today chatting with someone that he's he's basically the the definition of a tweener. He's really in between um, a sell and a hold. You could basically go either way on him, and I don't think it's going to be wrong. It's just very team-specific. Next one, Billy. This one's come up a lot. So Jacob and Chris have asked us specific questions about RTS to Turbo, um, and others have asked us about the same trade, and also RTS to Teddy is the other second part of it. So pretty much what it comes down to is that we've got a three-headed monster in fullback and only two spots that we can put guys in, obviously. It was always, um, obviously, a Teddy and Turbo combo that everyone was going for. And then lately, Roger Tuovazashek has been on fire. Got 113 points on the weekend, 55 in base. Massive performance. Um, the week before, he got 41, which is a bit average. But before that, he hit 78 and 84. So he's got a five-round average of 69 and a three-round average of 77. A lot of people um, online, Billy, are in one or two camps. Some people are saying... It's crazy to sell Roger to a check. Why is anyone even thinking of doing it? Um, and some people are saying that he's better than, say, a Teddy or he's not worth trading out. Um, and others um, are obviously in the other camp of um, Teddy and Turbo with their ideal matchup. But even some of those guys are torn. How do you see this trade for people this week or next week? Uh, would you be trading out RTS to make sure that you've got Teddy and Turbo in the next fortnight? Uh, not this week. Um, not after last week. He was he was um, 100% a decent sell option last week, but after he's pumped that sort of ton, there's um, his break even won't be won't be ridiculous. So he's an easy hold this week, especially since this week he's gone back to um, playing at home and he's versus versus his old um, his old halfback partner. So yeah, he, he's a he's a hold he's a hold this week. The only reason people were selling him last week is because they wanted to double his average. I mean, yeah, he was. Um, He's a bit an average of what 74, 70, 75 of late. People are selling you guys averaging thirty-five to upgrade to RTS. So if if you've got a guy that's averaging you know, one hundred and fifty, like like um, what do you call it, Turbo? Why wouldn't you upgrade a guy averaging seventy-five to that? Especially when he's got a, a draw like that, um, the uh, deals this week. So it's not that it's not that there's anything wrong with RTS. It's just that the guy that the guy that most people actually want to trade him to is potentially going to double his score. That's all. Um, it's, just, it's just frightening what, what Turbo can score. And on the, on the, on the Teddy side of things, Teddy just has a really, really soft draw opening up. And like we discussed earlier, the Roosters had a tough draw to start the year. So for um, Teddy to be averaging 74 for the year, exactly the same as RTS, but RTS has had the soft draw. Imagine what Teddy can do now when the draw opens up. I mean, that, that's all. But I would hold him just for this one week. But I would have no requirements for selling RTS next week. Yeah, I, I'm exactly the same boat. Um, and I think that people are probably getting too focused on how good RTS is rather than uh, how good the guy is that's coming in, which I think that you made a really valid point about. It's not that RTS is bad. It's not that he's a bad option. There's just two better options in front of him, and it's just an unfortunate year where you can only have two out of three guys at fullback. None of them are dual, so you've got to choose. I would always take the two best players. Teddy and Turbo are the two best players. Um, some people, uh, I guess, already have Teddy and RTS for those guys because you more talked about holding RTS for this week to get Teddy next week, which I agree with. Um, if you don't have Turbo, 
Um, I would be fine with going RTS to Turbo this week if you've already got Teddy there and you need to get Turbo in. Turbo's against the Eels. Um, RTS has got a good matchup against the Sharks at home, but I'd probably rather just get Turbo in now and bite the bullet um, just in case he does go crazy. The Eels can give up some points. That could happen. Um, I think that trade this week for him is fine. But a lot of people, believe also said, hey, um, RTS is averaging exactly the same as Teddy now, so he's, he's at least as good, and some people are saying he's better. You mentioned no. the Roosters draw. Even if you, even draw. if yeah, uh, the draws. It's all about the draw which you raised. Even if like I think Teddy's better than RTS anyway. Okay, but for argument's sake, let's say we agree they're both exactly the same player. Player A has a draw that's opening him up and going to be probably the best in the league from here on out. Player B has a draw that is going to be the hardest run that they've had and possibly the worst draw for the year. Which one are you going to choose? Obviously, you're always going to choose player A, and that player is Teddy. He's got a great draw opening up, and RTS has a much tougher draw opening up. So it just makes complete sense to me um, that you're going to go with Teddy instead of RTS. 74 is a great average. There's nothing wrong with that. But um, well, Turbo was averaging pretty much the same this, this time last year, and then the last um, eight games of last year, he averaged 99.7. So that's 20... 24 points higher than what he's he's currently averaging. So yep. that's the reason why people are selling him. Yeah, and probably something that... Um, I think people probably get carried away with looking at the average and saying, oh, yeah, you know, this guy's better than that guy or these guys are as good as each other. When we're this late in the season, it's more about what you think they're going to do for the remaining rounds than what they've done so far in the season. Obviously, it's a good barometer if someone's averaging... You know, 74, 73 points, they're probably going to be around about, and they're obviously had a good season. But it doesn't mean that for the balance of the year, they're going to average that. Um, you need to really look at who you think is going to be better, and that's really what separates a lot of teams for that last third of the season. Yeah, exactly, mate. And um, one more thing, Turbo's last seven games last year, three times, 115, 111, and 194. So... This is a captain option, option that RTS doesn't. Yeah, exactly. And I, I'm much more comfortable with myself putting the C straight on Teddy or Turbo than what I am on RTS. Uh, the Eels are playing at, um, at, at Manly this week and they got flogged last year. That's the game that, um, um, that Cherry Evans put 133 points on them. So if, I know it was a 40, that was a 40 degree heat day. And um, what do you call it? Merely, merely sort of sat in the sheds while the eels sort of sweated, sweated themselves out in um, in, in a warm up. It's not exactly going to happen again, but merely, merely, I'm a badass and I'll get all over versus the eels, mate. So I, I hope my boys get up, but I really think that, you know, not only Turbo this week is a uh, not so much a death sentence, but I'd be sitting, I'd, I'd be sweating watching the game. Yeah, exactly. Um, so next question is from Gary. Is Manu Mao a must-have in centre wing for the run home, Billy? Yes. Oof, yes. I'm going to say he's not quite a must-have, but he's pretty close to it. He's a very good trade-in. We all know that I'm pretty safe with not mentioning that too many people are must-haves. I wouldn't say he's a a must-have for me, but he's a very, very good option. One of the best options probably to trade in at the moment for your centre wing. Yeah, you don't you don't necessarily have to break your back to get Mao in, but um, it, it would be helpful because he is one of the better options uh, and he has done really well. So we've got a trade a trades question from Scott and also Lee on the the volume of trades we have left. So Scott's asked us how many trades that we have left. 
Um, and Lee said, how many should you bank away for injuries leading into the five, last five to six rounds? So first up, Billy, I've got um, four trades left. My team's just about set. Um, what about yourself? Uh, six prior to trading this week. How many do you think that you should be banking for injuries leading in the last five, six rounds? At least one backup in every single position, but two in a couple of key ones like the, the forwards with Jules to move them around. You can probably get away with just having two or three. But um, if, you have, if, you, if you're a little bit thin, I'd be holding sort of five or six. Yeah, it, it's like like so many questions, the answer lies in what your team looks like and what your team builds like. Um, I'm very comfortable in the last six rounds to go in with only two trades, uh, and, I'm, and I'm fine with that. Would I like more? Yep, everyone would always like more. The more trades you can go in with, the better, but trades aren't going to be useful once round 25 hits and you can't do anything with them anymore, so... Need to make sure you got your team on the park. Um, my team, as an example, I've got 23 guys that I can play. Um, pretty much all of them are a gun to to close to gun um, rotation guys. The bottom guys that I've got that I'll have as options. You know, my 23rd man's probably Josh Hodgson as a backup hooker that I'm probably not going to play much. So, um, yeah, the rest of the guys are fine. So for me, even if I have someone going down, um, like Billy mentioned, I've got jewels everywhere. If a half or a 5'8 goes down, I've got multiple backups. I've got six center wings that are all very playable. Um, I've got multiple forwards that I'll be benching every week, probably three that I won't even get to play most weeks. So I'm comfortable with two. Now, if you're one of these teams that I see posted on, on Supercoach Central that are saying, oh, you know, what trade should I make? And you've only got 18 guys that are playable and five nuffs in your team, you're in a bit of strife. Um, and you kind of need you know, a lot more um, for that run home for the last six. You're probably going to need like eight trades because injuries are going to happen. And so it's um, risk games and coaching decisions, Billy, that you're never going to see coming. So like, you know, CHN being a, a great center wing and all of a sudden Dean Pay dropping in a reserve grade. This week, we've got McGregor under the pump for his job with St. George looking like they're going to miss the finals. And he decides that he's going to rest Ben Hunt, which you would never see coming. So if you're one of those teams that only have, you know, 18 deep, you're going to want like six, seven, eight trades from around, you know, five, six weeks out from the, the last week. But otherwise, if your team's set like sort of mine is and you've got options, probably two's going to be fine, but I wouldn't want to have less than two. Yeah, just be aware of what Mark said because like, anything can happen. Um, players can be rested, coaches can come in do weird things, and you could you know, be forced to play people like Hodge and your tinny prick, Mark. <laughs> I, I loved playing Hodgson on the weekend that was fantastic 110 all the way I knew he was going to turn I should have put the C on him <laughs> mate I, I, as soon as you told me about you had to play with you play him I just went radio silent I couldn't believe you like well, uh, one, well of, one of the other teams that I saw um, today is another example was stuck because he had Munster at 5'8 and he had enough in his second 5'8 spot that wasn't a duel uh, so that's when team build becomes important, and that's when burning trades and stuff and how many trades you have left um, gets impacted by those decisions. So that's when you've got an inflexible team. So like, if you were that guy, like the rule, the the, the learning from that should be if you get enough in the halves, make sure that they're a jewel. So you've always got as much flexibility as possible. And in fact, if you get enough anywhere, make sure they're a jewel. And the other thing too is I would never play um, with enough in my halves on the run home um, if I'm low on trades. I'd make sure I'd have four. Yeah, unless unless that nuff is your jewel and allows you to have um, three other guys rotating, but um, yeah, best to have, best to have some quality stock on 
on the pine if possible. So yeah, Hodgson's a really good example, mate. Not not, not a gun, but got you got you through the um got you through the season, and he's he's not exactly the worst guy to have have there um sitting on the pine. So if you're going to get an auto emergency, it's going to be you know, sort of forty five to sixty or one hundred and ten <laughs> in this case. <laughs> yep, exactly. So. I don't know how many trades that uh, Lee, Scott, and a few of the other guys that are asking about trade volumes have got, but if you're asking because you've got like 12 trades plus, just start burning them, boys. Just just make your team as strong as possible because you know, the reality is if you've got six trades for the last six rounds, that's gold. Like That's that's fantastic, and that's probably about um, as much as you'll need. Eight would be you know as many as what you'd want to have. You'd want to make sure you're using those other trades to get your team strong, um, but... If your team's set up, um, two trades will be fine for that last five or six weeks. If you have to, probably I, I'm probably not being as safe as what Billy was, though. Billy's probably right. You probably want to have more like four if you can. Um, Rick Pacey, long-time listener, always asks some great questions, has asked us about your boy Sevo at the Eels. He's got Sevo, and he said, you know, they've got a pretty easy draw. Would you be playing Sevo as your centre wing now every week that they're playing at Bank West with how he's been performing there? They had an easy game last week. How do you go there? Not too good, but uh, in saying that, it was his second lowest score of the year since round, and you know the other one was round one, so a little bit of an anomaly. Yeah, yeah, yeah mate. Um, uh, honestly, Rick, only as a fourth sentence record option, like the last one I had to play, and I would pick and choose my games. Um, I would have played him last week too, but only if it meant um, choosing between. Um, you know, someone like uh, him and Masters or Nakora or Aiken as my last one. I, I would I would have played Gutherson over him last week. I, I'd be looking for a, looking and praying for a, a Redrada type score, but I, it really would have to be sort of bottom of the barrel, bottom fourteen to play him. Only at Bankwest. I would almost say I would play him every round, all the way home, looking at the draw. But the thing that makes that unrealistic is at this point everyone's probably got six centre wings to rotate. And it's not that he's going to be a bad play any of these weeks. It's just whether you want to play him over some other guys like a Mao or, um, you know, if you, you're obviously going to have like Latrell in there and some other guys. There's just so many good options that you've got in your team now. It becomes really hard to choose who to play. You might get lucky in that there's, uh, for instance, if Latrell has to travel to Melbourne and plays one game down there or, you know, Bateman goes, goes to Melbourne. If you have one or two players with a tough draw like that, you, you have the option of um, laying them for a week and chucking him in versus, you know, sort of Titans or Warriors at, at home. Maybe, maybe you get lucky and there's a 20, 20 or 30 point swing there. So that's the, probably the way to play it. But um, I, I'd pick and choose your games carefully. Look, look at your entire back line. And um, just remember, his floor is a little bit lower than you know someone like Mao. So if you're going to choose over players like that, just be very careful, mate. But um, weigh up his ceiling, weigh up his floor, and then make your own decision and go with your gut, mate. Yep. And just to give a bit of context to Rick's question as well, um, so Ivo's only got two games below 56 points um, at um, since round six when he first played there. Um, his scores are. Bankwest at 80 points, 92 points, 56 points, 57 points, 62 points, and 23 points. So he's only got the one game below 56, actually, um, and he's been very, very good. But four out of those six games you just mentioned were under 62 points. It's not exactly low in the world of fire, either. Yeah, it's just really quite solid scores for your centre wing, um, and he did have a couple of big ones in there. I mean, their Bankwest games that are still left, they've got the Warriors... The Knights, the Bulldogs, and Manly in the last round. Um, all those are really 
quite good matchups. And in between those, he's got the Broncos, Titans, Dragons, and Manly again. So, you know, they've got a pretty good draw home. I think that you hit the nail on the head, Billy, where it's, I'd be comfortable subbing him in any one week if you've got another guy, uh, like Latrell against Melbourne, like Billy's example was, or some other matchup examples that you don't want to play. I wouldn't be worried playing Sebo any of those weeks. Um, it might just be quite hard to pick and choose him over some of the other stronger guys week to week. So yeah. I just look at it week to week myself. If he's going to get a game against that Manly back line um, or Titans or even the Broncos at home, I'd definitely find those games. But... Yeah, I guess probably the must-haves for me, the Warriors at Bankwest in round 19 and the Bulldogs at Bankwest in round 23. Those are the two definite games I'd play him for. Yeah, mate, I have to concur there. Um, so moving on from Sevo, because Billy can talk about the Eels all day. So let's go on to half. this season, Tiger. <laughs> Top eight, mate. Top six. Let's get some halves talk going. Um, so Levi's asked us, would you go for Mao or CHN in the centre wing? Ooh, CHN was my pod call to buy back last week, but not over Mao, mate. No way. Yeah, I think that Mao's got to, got to go in because CHN's a good option, but Mao's better. Now, we've got basically a heap of questions, mate, on halves. People are going crazy with what to do with the halves. So I'm going to rattle off a few of the different questions, and then we'll work through just a halves talk. Basically, we've got um, Luke asking whether he should go for DCE or Cleary for the run home. And then we've also got um, Levi asking us who to run as his number one halfback option to bring in for Jerome Hughes, which um, a couple of people asked. So he's looking at DCE, Cleary, and then Pierce. Um, and a few people have said that they can't stomach bringing in Moses. So to answer Levi, Luke, and, and everyone else halves question, we might just have a quick halves segment. Cleary is someone that we'll start with. Um, he's someone that I've got and I'm running home with, but I've had him for a very long time. I think the, the positives for Cleary, uh, he's obviously kicking goals. Um, Penrith are on a five-game winning streak, um, and he's actually been doing quietly pretty well despite the fact that he's got um, just below a 60 average. He's only 503k, so he's quite cheap. Um, you can leave him for a week if you want with a 70-odd break-even. Things that I like about Cleary is Penrith are playing a lot better now, so you can kind of get rid of some of the earlier season form. He scored a 74 uh, against Souths, um, 43 the week before that, 63, 29, 63, 79, 65, 96, 82, 54, 34, 63, and 25. Sorry for all the numbers, but it kind of gives you an idea of his season. He's only basically got um, you know, he's 29 points in round 10, and then he's 34 in round 3 and 25 in round 1 that are bad scores. Everything else, you know, his lowest is 43, if you exclude those games, and his next lowest is in the 50s. So for the most part, he's doing quite well. Uh, I like the fact that he's got his goal kicking. So they've actually got um, St. George this week, who obviously looked terrible. Tougher game against the Raiders, but then they hit the Bulldogs, Cronulla, Broncos, Cowboys before a tougher game against the Roosters and Newcastle to finish off. So um, how do you see Cleary? Mate, the guy's been playing pretty much like dog shit all year and just, just seems to have been, been scoring pretty well. Um, if you go back um, middle of the season, the guy, between round five and the big end, round nine, just prior to origin, the guy was averaging 77. He, and he didn't even look like he was really doing anything. Strolled over for a couple of tries, one try assist and kicking goals. He just seems to be doing that. The uh, super coach points for these dropped off a little bit after that, but 
if a bloke is going to be sort of scoring, you know, sort of 63, 43, 74, uh, in, 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 in between origin when he's sort of injured, not, not exactly playing the best, and that's the worst you're going to get out of him, um, probably one of the better options to have around. Um, I like I like the fact that he's kicked these kicking goals, and the thing that sort of gets him over the line for me is the fact that, look, like you said, uh, they're on a roll. Got a got a reasonable draw com- coming up, and um, as much as I like Cherry Evans and and his draw, he doesn't seem to have, he, he doesn't have kicking lately. So I think theory kind of gets the edge over him just just purely because of that. Yeah, so let's have a bit of a dive in Daly Cherry Evans' numbers. He's averaging um, sixty six for the year now after a couple of big scores. He's the only other half aside from Moses who's averaging in the 60s. He had a 93 on the weekend against the house, and that was really good. And he's only 484k. He's got a 34 BE, though, so if you wanted him, you do have to do it this week. Uh, but basically, Cleary and Daily Terry Evans are around the same. Before that 93, DC went 54, 24, and 50. Um, prior to that, he actually had goal kicking, though. Um, and we only got to see him between round one and seven. And with the goal kicking, even, he still was a little bit inconsistent. So he had a, out of those first seven games, he had a 31, a 47, and a 22. Now, his other four scores were gold. They were between 75 and 156. But, you know, that 156 included 58 points in scoring stats, a big chunk of which was goal kicking. He obviously doesn't have that anymore. I really like DCE, um, but the fact that he doesn't have the goal kicking and Cleary does, I'd be leaning towards um, Cleary. I also think he's got a slightly better draw with... Daily Cherry Evans having two of his remaining games against Melbourne as well. Yeah, I agree, mate. Um, I was talking to someone on Addicts this afternoon about this and recommended Cherry Evans purely off the back of um, after Origin last year, he averaged to the 75, and then to the last of the six, game, six games of the year, he averaged uh, 87 with um, two tons, 100. There was a 91 in there as well, and 123. Um, he scored 133 versus the Eels in, in round two last year, and he's got the Eels uh, this week. But I don't, like I said before, I don't think the Eels are going to train 45 degree heat 30 minutes before the game. Well, surely they're uh, pull their heads out of ass this time, uh, middle of winter now too. So that's not going to happen again. But um, I think Cherry will he hit some form. He's got a good draw, but without the goal kicking, I'm taking Cleary over him. Mate. Yep. One of the things with with DC that is scary though and as a non-DC owner I'm scared about, is that DC does have the high ceiling. So he's got a 156-point game already this year, and he can do that type of game um, where he's just involved in everything. Um, even without the goal kicking, he's still got the upside. He did the 93 points against Souths on the weekend. So I think that DC probably has, has got those big games in him. you just got to be prepared for that on the run home. So they hit the Warriors again in round 21. Um, in round three, that was who he played to get his 156 points with the goal kicking, though. So he might throw up some massive scores here and there, probably one or two on the run home. He'll have one or two big ones. But I think Cleary will probably be more steady. So just don't panic. If DCE throws up one or two monsters, um, you'd think that over the course of the season, if Penrith's form continues, uh, Cleary should get more points than him overall for the next round, uh, third of the season that's left. Yeah, I, I tend to think so too. And I honestly think um, Cleary is the type of bloke that's got a 150 score in him once a season as well. So watch out for that one game. And the fact that he hasn't been doing so well lately, has been playing Origin and has been injured too. He's, um, I'm not sure if you mentioned this earlier or just then, but his ownership is, is, is bottomed out as well. So the bloke's a pod. So um, a couple of VCs on Cleary, on Cleary wouldn't wouldn't be the worst throw at the stumps either. Yep. And I, I should also 
safe on both of our behalves. We're not saying that DC is a bad option either. If that's what your gut says, and go with it. He, he's a fantastic option as well. Um, you know, me and Billy just prefer Cleary, and, and we think that he'll probably edge him out for the rest of the season on points. But DC is also a really good option, and he's a fantastic buy. And if you had a lot of trades left, um, geez, a DCE and Cleary combo for your halves wouldn't be the worst thing in the world at all. Yeah, I own Zerbo, so I'm kind of hoping he, he scores all of uh, Mealy's points, mate. We'd be a little bit unfair in this discussion not to mention Mitchell Moses. Um, Levi, in his question specifically, said he just can't bring himself to believe in Moses, but Moses is the number one halfback um, for Supercoach at 66 points a game this year. Lately, he's gone yeah. on a massive tear, mate. I know that you're not a fan either, and neither am I, but you've got to give props where it's due. 86, 64, 65, 80, 110. That's a five-round average of 81. Before that, he's got some shit scores, but... He really has managed to produce the last five weeks. So, I mean, their draw's pretty good. We spoke about it with Sevo. Do you think that he can keep it up at all? Mate, half my mates are all Tigers fans, and they still laugh at me for <laughs> the years buying him. I, I don't know whether they're expecting, expecting him to collapse or what. <laughs> yeah, um, maybe it's just because he's known as the turnstile. But, yeah, look, he's obviously going a lot better for us, mate. Props to him. We've got to support him. But super coach wise I was tempted to get him last week, but he was a bit out of reach. And the other thing that put me off him is, look, he's not the type of guy that I really want to play each week. I really want to, I really want to avoid those sort of 27 and 28 scores, which he's very much capable capable of. You know, he throws those out at least 25% of the game, his games. When you're coming towards the end of the season, and you've got a guy like uh, SJ, who is your other half, who's your other half back. If SJ's out, the last thing you want is for Moses to come up against Melbourne or, or have that away game that you just don't want to play him. So that was the reason for me not, not backing him last week. But absolutely would not have a, have a problem with um, anyone getting Moses. But I don't think he scored well this week, mate. Knocked down a Manly. Yeah, he could struggle a little bit this week. But the draw after that opens up a little bit. He does have Manly twice. He's got the lowest base out of any, any half. He's only got a 19 base, which is lower than both DCE. And also Cleary. Uh, and I guess that's his Achilles heel. He's only had four low scores all year, though. Yeah, maybe I'll be half because I'm just bitter of the heel still buying him. <laughs> but <laughs> he's, 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 oh, mate, he's been going well. Not, not the worst half of the comp. Look, if I'm going to get a guy that's going to peak and trough, I just must prefer a guy like SJ who will give me sort of 20 or, or 180. Maybe I'm expecting too much. Um, maybe I'm just a bitter and twisted old man. The heels can't win a premiership. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and just benchmarking the three of them. I mean, um, we said that, that Moses has got the lowest base. He's also, um, you know, he's hit 60-plus, 56% of his games. Nathan Cleary is at 62% of his games where he's hit that 60-plus mark, um, whereas um, DCE is at 45% of his games. So that also gives you an idea of Cleary's consistency as well. Um, at 62% of the time, he's hitting 60-plus. So that's quite good. Um, Mitchell Pierce is the last guy we should mention. I don't think he's in the discussion as much as what I would have hoped. Um, I was big on him, you know, a month ago, and then he got to play Origin, so we were off him. He hasn't gone very well since. 50, 41, 11, and 30 is putrid in his last four games. But the Knights have a phenomenal draw. After the Roosters this week, they've got the Tigers, Manly, Eels, Cowboys, Tigers again, Titans, and Penrith to finish off, so... They've probably got the best draw, Billy, but I'd probably have Mitchell Pierce fourth on my rankings for the run home as a halfback. Yeah, probably the same. Um, only because he does only because he doesn't kick goals. 
he's kind of like Moses, mate. He against the uh, bottom ranked teams, he he um, he excels. But it's generally sort of in the in the sixties to the ninety range when he excels. Obviously, um, the tougher teams, he doesn't do so well. Um, and just just to, just to compare him to Moses, look, Moses' average for the the first eleven games this year was was only fifty nine. And if you take that massive game against the Tigers away, where he scored one hundred and thirty three, his average is fifty two. So, sip, I put him in the same boat as Moses, as as in I think when they've got the right draw, the right matchup, they can have that score that 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 one game that could, that could sort of um bring them up to sort of par a little bit. But when you come towards the end of the season and you only have sort of eight eight sort of games left, um, I just don't want to risk that they don't get that one that one big score to make them worthwhile over a guy like sort of Cleary or DJ. Yep. Well, my personal rankings, I'm going to say that I don't think you can go wrong with Cleary, DCE, or Moses. I think Moses has put the runs on the board enough where he needs to be a genuine option. Um, I think Pierce is out of the running for those. My rankings, I've got Cleary first. On preference, that's the guy that I'd be getting. And I probably can't separate DCE and Moses. I think that they're rightfully equal second, and then Pierce is the final one in my rankings of those four. How are you seeing it in ranking those four guys? Mate, I actually agree with you. Wow. That's crazy. Well, there we go. We get another first in the All-Stars podcast. Let's move on to another question. Hopefully that's answered everyone's questions on the halves because we've got a lot of detailed questions about who you should trade in and, and which plays you've got and so forth, but we've just discussed all the halves options, so that should give everyone a hand at once. Um, next question is from Robert Pauly, another long-time listener. Specific trade question this one. He's got six trades left. Should he blow two trades, nothing stags, and trading Herbert to get Teddy or one trade? to go Nakora or Sherry to Teddy. So for me, I I would not want Herbert in my side at all. And I would probably prefer to get rid of Stags, although it's not the worst thing in the world. So I would rather probably for myself, Billy, hold Nakora and Sherry as options to use. And if you've got six trades, I did the same thing with six trades. I enough somebody to upgrade for that um, fifth trade spot. So I would be going with nothing Stags and trading Herbert to Teddy. Yeah, good. Because it it also gives you gives you the option to sort of upgrade um, if someone gets injured or uh, someone else some other magic sort of um, um, rookie sort of turns up. You, you may as well keep one up your sleeve for that and for for a play like that. And if it doesn't eventuate, at worst case scenario, you still got your Nakora hanging off, who's a dual mate. So I'd agree with you on that one. Yeah, the other thing that does do is uh, I'm I'm very big on having. Um, I've seen some teams try and run with 20, 20 playable guys. Or even you know less than that at 19 playable guys with some of these head-to-head guys that are running around in central and stuff. Uh, I think the depth is really really important because I think you can cover those one or two week injuries really easy without needing trades. Um, so Nakora and Sherry staying in your side gives you that extra bit of depth in your centre wing and the flexibility. I think you're better off copying enough and, and doing that. So flexibility there and you've got those options to play as well. Yeah, mate. Good job. Um, all right. So next one we've got. From Kyle Robson. So Kyle's um, asked us a few questions over the season and he was going great guns in the top 500. So we want to see Kyle do well. Uh, he needs to leave the Cardi party before it starts to bleed cash. Mate, you, you've overstayed the party by about three months. You're that guy that's couch surfing for three months after the party ended. You, you needed to get off that one a while ago, but he's still there. He said Cody Walker looks the best value pod and leaves enough in the kitty for RTS because he's got him at 5'8 um, as far as Cardi goes. Um, and he wants to go RTS to Teddy. So um, I guess Cody Walker's appeal is he's only 484k, 
and that gives him enough money to go RTS to Teddy the next week. Um, so, Cole, I think first things first, um, Cody Walker's a decent pot option, um, provided that you can't afford someone like Munster. So I'm assuming because you've said that you can only, that doing um, Cartwright to Cody Walker, it gives you enough money to go RTS to Teddy next week, that someone that's going to be 50 or 60K outside of that um, Cody Walker price range isn't going to be viable. So probably means that you can't afford someone like Munster. And I'm assuming that you've probably got someone like Sean Johnson in your, your halfback spot anyway. Um, so Cody Walker's a fine option, I think. If that's where you're at, um, for that price range, he's probably the best value to go for. If you absolutely have to trade Cardi, um, he's 455k though, Billy, and he's got a break-even of 87. So I guess it makes sense that you need to get rid of Cardi now before he does bleed some cash this week against Melbourne. So that makes sense. Um, Cody Walker looks like the best in that price range for me. If you had more money, you'd go a Munster or somebody else maybe, but Cody Walker looks like a fine option because it also gets you RTS to Teddy the following week, and that's definitely a trade that I would be making. Yeah, the second trade is, is the money winner, isn't it? Yeah, it's all about the one that allows you to do next week. I mean, I guess probably the only other thing that we'd throw up at Kyle is um, if he's got a second trade to make to free up some cash so he could do Cardi to... Um, even even getting someone in like Munster this week, at least it sets his team. Um, you know, you could do a... If you think Munster's better for the run home, even though he's not playing this week, you're going to have cover. The option would be to go Cardi to Munster and make a second trade this week, which still gives you enough money to go RTS to Teddy next week. That would probably be the only other way to look at it, and that would be a matter of whether you think that Munster's going to be worth it and whether you do have another trade to make to make sure you've got money next week for RTS to Teddy. Yeah, it's probably a decent call. Um, I keep going off Munster because he keeps scoring in you know, 40s here and there, but then he comes up with that massive score and and, and follows it up with a 90 or proceeds it with a 90, and all of a sudden you know he's got a five-game rolling average of 75. So absolutely nothing wrong with Munster, mate, especially if the, if the bloke you know, gets, a, gets a decent rest this week. Um, good luck with that one, Cole. Hopefully you, you stick around that pointy end, mate, and you have a good finish to the season. Next one we got, we're going to finish off on, and that's JC Charles's question. He's um, a long-time listener as well, and he's got a really big question. So the first one is um, DCE trading, and we've already discussed that. Um, the second one, though, we're going to answer, and that is, um, is it crazy to trade C and K at his minus 30 BE back in ahead of guys like Burns or Gerbo, who he might get in the next week or two? He's got five trades left and two hundred eighty-two thousand dollars left, so he doesn't have a huge amount of trades left. Um, when we're looking at his team, he's centre wing. He's got Aitken, Sherry, Nakora, Manu, Gutho, Mamolo, and Mitchell. So his centre wing is actually stacked. Um, I really like the centre wing that he's already got. He's actually said that he's not sure on trading Sherry um, or Nakora. And um, Aitken's been um, reasonable as well. Um, and he's also got Tolman sitting there. So, Billy, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say I, I wouldn't get CNK in because his minus break even doesn't make any difference because um, JC doesn't have enough trades to bank that anyway. It really doesn't matter. You're just looking at the player. His BE doesn't make any difference. Um and as far as getting him in just as a player, his center wing that he's already got is stacked. So I don't think that he needs to. Um, but the guys that I would be trading out, though, he's wanted to hold Aitken, um, and he's saying that he wants to hold Tolman. 
out of those five trades that he's got left, I'd be going Tolman to Gerbo and Aitken to Burns, um, and that would probably finish off my side if I was him. Oh, mate, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> and uh, just on the CNK thing, um, I know there's a couple other podcasts out there saying, look, he's, he's especially last week, he's, he's an option to bring back, but only if you got massive trades um, for the draw. For, for us, it was more last week. It was more about you know, should I sell or should I sell or keep Croker? And the response to that was keep Croker purely because of his draw. But I wouldn't I wouldn't be going and buying anyone like CNK back now. Could, could quite easily go back to scoring his forties again, which is the reason why everyone was selling him. The bloke's an absolute beast, beast of a runner, and there's a, there's a good reason why Ricky bought him. Um, but I don't think he warrants. Uh, um, Burning, burning a trade on when you can get someone like Burns who probably outscore him, and or, or, and you can play someone like Cherry this week who likely score another sort of you know, massive ton versus the Warriors. So it's all that picking and choosing your battles and when to play the guys that you've got, and he's got plenty. So don't need another one. To give some of those other podcasts and stuff a bit of credit, and also guys that did buy him, like I do see the appeal. Like CNK was a very good player for the majority of the year, and he just had like a a bit of a cold spell, which everyone has. He is a fullback that you can have in your centre wing. Um, I think that he's fine as an option um, if you want him as your sixth sort of centre wing. Um, but I would want to have a lot of trades, like Billy said. Like, if you've got, I don't know, 10 trades plus, CMK is a fine option because if he starts to sput it up again, you can just get rid of him. Uh, for someone like JC, he's only got five trades and one of them's committed to getting Gerbo in. You know, I don't think that he can afford to get someone like Nickel Klockstad in when he's already got a really good centre wing. So um, there's no there's no way to say that every one of the guys he's got in centre wing isn't going to go better than Klockstad for the rest of the year. So um, if you've got lots of trades, I think it's fine to get him in because you can get him out later and you're going to make money out of it anyway if you, if you have to. Um, if you've held him, good luck to you. Keep holding him. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I agree with Billy and JC. Um, Tolman's got busted ribs. He's out a couple of weeks. The Bulldogs are going to be rebuilding. Dean Pay might not even be there in a couple of weeks. His minutes are going to go down, um, and he hasn't been that great lately anyway. Uh, I don't think there's any way that you can hold Tolman when you don't have Gerbo. And even though Aitken's been solid, downgrading Aitken to Burns, I don't think you lose anything. Burns has got really good base anyway, and base attack. And, you know, Tolman to Gerbo is a no-brainer. You should be able to do that trade and be very happy with it for the run home. All right, so let's move on to the... Team news, TLT for this week. It's a big one. All the big guns are back, mostly. Aside from a couple, everyone should have a lot of options this week, unlike last week's disaster. First game of the round is Broncos versus Bulldogs. Um, so, Corey Oates is back. Sarko is swapping back to the right wing. And Xavier Coates drops out for those that got him in as a bit of a moneymaker. Matt Gillett's still gone. For the Dogs, um, Suaso Sue did his ACL last week, which is bad news. Hopefully, he comes back bigger and better next year. Aidan Tolman's going to be out for a few weeks with broken ribs, as we mentioned uh, for JC Charles's question. Um, so we've got a couple guys coming in on the bench in Falalo and Ogden. Kieran Foreman remains out. Elliot's back in the starting side with Chris Smith going back to the bench. So this first one, Billy, the Broncos did a draw with uh, the Warriors on the weekend, but probably the things that stood out for me, Payne Haas has become a captaincy option pretty much every week now. He, he busted out a ton, and he did that with a line break and a try, but he still had beast stats even without those. And Anthony Milford is looking like a golden fullback pot at the moment in your 5-8 spot for Supercoach. Mate, I agree with both of those. Didn't get the chance to see um, the game last week, but, um, yeah, Mil- Milford, 
Milford at fullback when he's um, lightweight and moving, mate. He's a, he's a pleasure to watch. He finished on 80 points last week, and he's got a pretty good matchup this week against the, um, the Bulldogs playing at Suncorp Stadium. Might even be a sneaky VC option for those that actually own Anthony Milford, mate. Oh, yeah, 100%. And if he's um, if he gets dual status next year, which he which he bloody well should, yeah, I think everyone will have him at five out next year. So another option as well that is a bit of a dirty one, and in the Broncos side, Corey Oates had a rest last week. I've owned Corey Oates a few times, and he has absolutely killed me. Having said that, we I had a question from someone um, last week, and I said, oh wow, that's a bit of a dirty option. I can't really go there, but I can see the appeal. And the reason why I can see the appeal is he's playing the Bulldogs this week at Suncorp and he's only 403k, but you could even wait because he's got a, a BE around 90, so he could be as cheap as 350k next week if he doesn't have a huge one. And the Broncos have got quite a good draw coming up. So the Bulldogs this week and then the Titans. So the next two weeks are really crucial. They've got a tough one against the Storm, but then they hit the Cowboys. So three out of the four um, weeks coming up he's a really good play and they also play the Bulldogs a second time which is in round 25 which is our finals for head-to-head so he looks like a really cheap option um, and just someone just to kind of flag because he hasn't done well this year with an average of 53 but he did start the season off on fire maybe he finishes it well with a with a big draw yeah mate it's um playing playing the dogs twice is the best way to come come about getting out uh getting out of a um an ordinary streak isn't it Oh, yeah, you don't get much better. And, you know, he's also got the Gold Coast Titans thrown in there as well. So, um, yeah, if someone needed a, a desperate downgrade, mate, um, if you get Corey Oates for sort of 350 to 375K next week, downgrading someone, um, that wouldn't be the worst option in the world for your centre wing, just as a rotation guy. As a rotation guy, but it's, um, like, like you said, mate, you don't be getting him for a pod status because you're going to be absolutely stacked at your centre three quarter already. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, TPJ kept on keeping on. He had a solid 60 last week, and he, he looks like he's really come around, and he was a great buy for those last week. Against the Bulldogs, um, he's likely to get quite a few offloads again. Um, so we said Anthony Milford might be a VC option. Um, Payne Haas, would you would you VC him and, and aim for another ton with his potential to score a try against that Bulldogs pattern? No, not, not big enough for a VC. On the Bulldogs side of things... CHN still got his second row spot, and he's probably the only guy to really even talk about. Um, he had a big game last week. Got to give props to Billy when it's due. Got to feed him. Uh, CHN, <laughs> you made the call last week, mate, that um, CHN might be a smoky for the duration of the year as a back row you can put in your centre wing. And CHN absolutely killed it. He, he scored 93 supercoach points. That included a try. And he had a massive amount of offloads and TBs, and he was just on fire. Um, so that was a pretty good call by you, and it looks like at 499k, he could be a bit of a pod for the balance of the year. Uh, the Broncos' edge, as well, as we mentioned before, um, gives out quite a few points to uh, opposing edges. So CHN is in line for a big week this week. If you do have him, um, he's probably in for a big game. If you were going to get him in um, as maybe a fifth or sixth rotation Centre wing, this is definitely the week to do it versus the, the Broncos' edge and when he's um, got a lower BE coming off that 93 score. Yeah, I'd back him again to uh, put up another decent score this week, mate. If I, was, if I don't know Milford and I was going to BC this game, I'd be, I'd be having a crack at, a serious crack at TBJ. Uh, 
hey, last week, how many minutes did he play in total? Because he seemed to be stuck on 65 points for a long time. Oh, he played the, played the full 80, 82 minutes. Oh, wait, they, they, oh, wait hold on a sec. They went to um, uh, 90 minutes last week, though, didn't they? Yeah, so he's about eight he minutes off. Had, he's pretty much been playing a, um, a full game the last three weeks on, on, on the right edge. So um, and his scores have been right up there. So, yeah, look, if he's playing on that dodgy... Um, that dodgy uh, dog's left flank, and he's, and he's on the right, so directly opposing him, mate. I'll um, I'll back him for a score this week. He was um, a great buy, um, you know, five weeks ago at four hundred fifty k. He's five hundred thirty eight k now. Are you comfortable that he's come around enough that you'd actually still buy him now? Yeah, I would. Um, I was skeptical when I bought him, but it was only it was only out of. Um, Sheer reluctance, like he was a reasonably low, low enough ownership. He was dual. That was the ben- that was the uh, um, that that was the kicker. But him actually moving to the to to the edge is the thing that put him over put him over the edge for me. I just kind of figured if the big fella's going to go over the line, he's going he's going he's going he's going to do it on the edge, and he's going to get a few more minutes. And then when um, what's his name um, um, Gillette was named with that injury, that that was the catalyst for it. So and. and it's just been a bit of luck that he's gone over the line lately, but I'll take it, mate. He's looking quite good. I wouldn't mind bringing him in at all if I didn't own him, but I do. On market watch, the only big move is Katoni Staggs. He's in the top 10 traded out. He does have still a pretty low break, even if it makes sense, because teams are probably upgrading. I reckon that the, the Broncos are on a bit of a roll, mate, and despite the Bulldogs getting a couple of wins on the trot and, and playing a lot better lately, I think travelling up to Suncorp uh, against a hungry Broncos side... Um, I reckon that the Broncos will do them, and I, I reckon that they're ten to twelve point winners in this one. You'd normally back the Broncos for a few more for a few more points, especially at home. But yeah, I'm not going to back them by too much, mate. I, I reckon it's the sixteen points, Dalton. I reckon sixteen points. Warriors versus Sharks is the next one. Um, so the Warriors are unchanged, um, which is uh, good news for Jazz Tavaga owners and. Sharks have a heap of changes. So, Sean Johnson's been named, but he does have an ankle injury. Um, it's touch and go whether he's going to be playing, but he is playing the Warriors back at Mount Smart Stadium for the first time. So, he's going to be really pushing for it and hopefully plays. Matt Moylan's coming back at fullback. Um, Gray's back to the wing. Josh Morris is gone with a broken nose. Dugan out with his hamstring. So, that means that Kurt Capewell comes into centre. He did a really good job last week there. Scott Sorensen in the back row and Paul Gallen comes back. So Taylor, two sides, Billy. The Warriors grinded out a, a tough draw last week and the Sharks looked abysmal once again and they're going to be making a tough trip over to uh, New Zealand. Do you reckon that the Sharks are going to be able to turn up finally or do you think that their misery is going to continue over there? I reckon it'll be another bludger of a game only because the Sharks are so depleted. I think the Warriors get this only just um, coming off the back of last, week, last week's uh, draw. The Warriors just have a massive Queensland following, so they'll be fired up for a game against their old sort of captain coming coming back home. It's going to be a tough call as to whether to play SJ, well, as to whether to play SJ or not, because I'm not sure how how good that injury is. Yeah, I I kind of I almost see him as a must play, um, just because of all the factors around it. Like it's his first time back in New Zealand playing his old club. Um, that's a big deal, and the Sharks are under immense pressure to to perform as well. So. Yeah, he, he managed to score 98 points last round, and that was against the Storm in a you know, bludger of a game for the Sharks as far as matchups Stop go. Stop reminding me. 
Well, uh, I, I played him, so, you know, what can I say? But then again, I had no one else to play, so it wasn't the best decision. You pulled out your, in other words, you pulled out your arse. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly did. But my point remains, mate, he, he scored 98 points against Melbourne when they got pretty much flogged last week. Uh, playing his old club back over in New Zealand, yeah, I, if he's fit to play, I reckon he's primed, and I'd, I would be looking at the VC on him. Yeah, look... Um... If he's healthy enough to take the field, you've got to back him. You, you've got to play him. I also had the VC on him, but the the injuries, the injury concern, the fact that he's away and the Sharks are depleted, I ended up just switching it and throwing it through it on um, um, Mitchell instead. I just think the the, the, the Chooks at home, he's probably a, probably him or Teddy are probably a, a safer pick. But um, yeah, if there's one game of the year you want to play SJ, mate, it's this week. Yep. And we need to talk about Market Watch here because three of these players in this in this game are in the most traded out. So Sean Johnson, two and a half percent of coaches are trading him out, and he's not that highly owned really. So I do not really understand why anybody would trade out Sean Johnson this week. Yeah, it's uh, I'd definitely be holding him this week, guys. I mean, he threw out ninety eight last week. He looks like he's going to play. Um, if you're not planning on having him for the rest of the year. Maybe just wait and see if he's ruled out, and if he is, then trade him on the weekend. But otherwise, you know, I'd, mate, I'd be holding him. Honestly, mate, the only thing I can think of is everyone's got a lot of depth right now. Maybe everyone's got, you know, a lot of people have um, um, Cleary or Moses there for now, and Pong is, Pong is back playing this week, so there's no need to play when they want Turbo. So he, him being under an injury cloud, maybe Turbo, Turbo is just the brightest spark in their team. So there's there's plenty of reasons why people would be bringing him in, but um, that would be the you know, sort of scenario I could think of, mate. Yeah, that's the only one that really makes sense, and I agree with. Um, Roger Tilbarshek's three percent traded out. It does sort of make sense, though. Even though he's going great, we've discussed that in the mailbag. Britton Nakora, though, six point two percent. He's the most traded out player by a fair margin. That's quite a few Nakora owners jumping ship. We spoke about him a little bit. I don't mind trading him out, but those 6.2% would want to make sure that they're really getting value for that trade out because this is probably a week, like you mentioned before, Billy, that you'd probably be looking at playing against the Warriors with SJ Healthy. Isn't he... Um, well, yeah, firstly, he shoots off SJ's hip, but isn't he, isn't he a Kiwi himself? Yeah, he is. I reckon, mate, he's, he's, he's going home. I reckon he puts on display this week. I reckon him and Sherry turn around this week. Yeah, so Sherry's another one um, that, I mean, would you be playing Sherry this week? He looks like he could be primed to, to get a good score, and he, he managed 52 on the weekend, even though it was a tough game. Only, no, only because he's highly owned still, um, and there might be a few people doing that pod play. I've just got, personally, I've got um, Latrell, Bateman, Mao and Burns at centre three quarter, so he just can't get a look in, mate. Well, this one, I've got absolutely no idea. I've just I've thrown a dart on the wall and it landed on the Sharks, so I'll go for them in a four-point win. I'm going back the Warriors by two, mate. All right. Uh, let's move on to the next one. Panthers versus Dragons. In this one, we've got Cleary returning at halfback, which is a really welcome return for Cleary owners, um, also for anyone trading him in after the Dragons went terrible last week and gave up a huge amount of points against the Raiders. On the Dragon side of things, we've got um, James Graham returning at lock. Um, so that's going to be really helpful for the Dragons. And then a few other guys are being dropped like Host. But the big news probably is Billy with Host dropping to the reserves. Josh Kerr 
has joined the interchange bench. So Josh Kerr was one of those nuffs that people got in um, where we thought that there would be a few people ahead of him. Lattimore's got a knee injury. Um, Host has been dropped, and Reese Robson has been dropped as sort of a hooker slash utility on the bench. Do you think that Josh Kerr is going to stay in the 17 and, and break everyone's hearts for looping? <laughs> um, I hope so. Honestly, I don't think I'll make too much of a difference this week because um, Turbo's the last game of the weekend. So if anyone's going to loop someone, because they, it's because their guys already scored 131, 41, 50, and it really wouldn't make too much of a difference because I'll have a serious leg up anyway. I wouldn't get too worried about him this week, but um, if he's still there next week, I'd be shooting myself. Yeah, I, I think that the silver lining for Kerr is um, Mary doesn't hardly ever play without some sort of bench utility, and at the moment, the bench is uh, Kerr, Sims, Kafusi, and Leilua. I don't think that he's going to play with a four-forward bench because generally, even if his strategies aren't working, Mary sticks to them anyway. And he normally has Reese Robson there lately, um, who's a guy that can play hooker and also be a bit of a utility. Um, and previously, he's played guys like Field or even Aitken or even Ravalawa and stuff on the bench. So he really has a four-forward bench. Um, I would be surprised if Reese Robson doesn't come in. Um, if not, Jacob Host still could. And, and Kerr, I think, would still be the first one out for that. So there's still hope for that one, I reckon. Um, but in VC and C news, uh, the Dragons obviously went terrible last week. Raiders absolutely pumped them. Um, what are your options here for VC and C? You mentioned Cleary before. Yeah, if Cleary's going to have one game. Is this um, is this at Penrith or is this um, away? This is at Penrith. At Penrith, yeah, I'd be back Cleary this week. Uh, Brian Tuo went fantastic last week, scored in the 80s, and he's looking like a um, a keeper in the centre wing now. Oh, he goes fantastic every week, mate. The the first four weeks he went without a try, averaging 50. So you, you can't go any you can't go wrong with that, mate. He's um paces right up there with the core, and he actually plays on on the actual wing, so he's got more of a chance of going over the line than like like the core. So. Um, being in a team where they're full strength and uh, on, a, on a roll down, I, I, I would not be selling him at all. I've been playing him in Mabel every week and beginning getting shits the first three weeks because he didn't go over the line, but um, very keen on getting him again this week. Yep. And hopefully Billy Kicker has a return to form against the Dragons. I think that he'll do well running up the edge. Probably the only thing that stopped him doing well last week was he had a bit of illness, and apparently the talk was that the reason why um, he lost 28 minutes of game time was because he went off to go to the to the bathroom. So if he had that 28 minutes, he probably wouldn't have scored 41. Um, I'm going to say that he was also robbed of a line break assist. Tom Sangster should be giving him that line break assist. Already tweeted him. Um, but other than that, um, I'm pretty keen on those two guys for this week. I don't really think that the Dragons are going to bounce back, to be honest. You mentioned it earlier in the podcast. This is sort of their their MO, their um, second season heartbreak for their fans. The biggest news we'll finish on, though, Billy, this can be Barnsley's rant for the week. I don't like it when players get rested. Um, I was very vocal about it with, with Trent Robinson being a Roosters fan. I was filthy that he rested. Teddy and Cordner when they you know, had the best turnaround possible going from a Wednesday to a Sunday game. And we, we've been losing games and we're out of the top four potentially. And you know it's a close competition. So I've, I was livid at that. And now I've turned around to TLT today. And Mary McGregor sitting you know, in the, the bottom part of the competition wanting to make the finals has decided to rest Ben Hunt. 
Can you explain to me why you would rest one of your best players who's a halfback when you're trying to make the finals and you're under the pump and we're on the run home? If you ask me why Bellamy's resting his five guys, I'd probably have an answer, but um, <laughs> not for this bloke, mate. <laughs> That's not going to make any sense at all. Resting Ben Hunt is really going to hurt the Dragons, and I reckon that the Panthers' five-game winning streak is going to continue, mate, and they're going to really put it on the Dragons this week, and I'm going for double-digit winners again. Big games from Cleary and Kikau, and a try for Brian Tuo. Yeah, mate, right with you there. Roosters Knights is our next one. Bit of a blockbuster because the Knights really put it on the Roosters last time, but the Roosters are back to full strength. Tonight we've heard that Jared Warrior Hargraves got off his two-week charge and is free to play, um, which is great news. James Tedesco and Boyd Cordner are back, which moves Manu back to centre and Brent Morris to the bench. Uh, Nat Butcher drops to the bench as well, which we spoke about potentially happening soon. Um, and for the Knights, the big news is that Pong is back at fullback. And Clemmer back to the starting side, Mitch Barnett back to the back row after his suspension. So first things first, mate, Nat Butcher. We've been talking about him for a couple of months now, how he keeps getting lucky, how he's been playing so well, but you really shouldn't be getting him in because any week now he might end up benched. And it's finally happened, so hopefully no one got him in. Oh, yeah. I've been promoting him as a buyer last week. It was just more of a, um, if you're lucky enough to have him and you had the balls to pick him up, keep him and play the share of him until he's dropped, so... Um, he's dropped, so bench him this week. But um, maybe just keep a uh, trick up your sleeve. Um, uh, remember to put um, all your reserves, all your players that are playing later in the weekend um, as reserves. So worst case scenario, if someone drops out or if by some miracle he ends up getting getting reshuffled into the starting pack, you can um, switch, switch the reserve around and play him again for one last hurrah as well. Yeah, you definitely wouldn't sell him this week, and it's probably something to talk about Um Hold him for this week's game because there could be a late change where maybe Orbison gets taken out or something like that. Um, and he's only got a BE in the 30s, so you're not going to really lose any cash on him. Use this week as a look. See next week's TLT. Um, and then next week, if on TLT he's on the bench, then definitely time to neck him. Um, if you've gotten him recently, that's going to be a big kick in the guts. But if you got him six or seven weeks ago, then you've gotten your value out of him. Manu's the one that goes this week for the Chooks. Yeah, you've got to get rid of Manu, and you've got to remember that his, um, his averages at centre aren't anywhere near as good as fullback, so he needs to go. Um, and aside from that, mate, on the VC and C front, um, you mentioned Tedesco. Mate, he's had a week's rest, and he should be on for this one, and I think the Roosters really need to get firing after a loss to the Cowboys last week that was abysmal. Uh, Teddy might fire. I think that you made a good call earlier that he might be a VC for you. Mate, after, after my form last week, I'm tempted to uh, bring SKD in. <laughs> <laughs> well, you need to get props for that too. SKD threw out his best game of the season last week after you did the reverse mocker on him. So, well done, Billy. Uh, that was a Hail Mary, mate. I pulled that out my ass. I just kind of figured right side. <laughs> they were going to attack down there. But, um, no, I'm, uh, I'm, well, I'm pulling that card while I'm up, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I must admit, I grabbed him in money board. I was cheering, but I um, I, I, I would have won last week, but somehow I was going so bloody quick. I got confused with Deirdre and Turpin, and I got, I think it was Deirdre in my side as, as opposed to Turpin. So I was cheering on one of my last players for a week and not realising he wasn't actually fucking playing. <laughs> so he <laughs> ended up being fuck all. So what a dickhead. But anyway. Well, Pong is um, probably the only guy on the night side of things that you'd, you'd want to play in this game. Um, it is his first game back from injury, but he's just probably too good just to leave out. 
Oh yeah, no, you you play him hundred percent. But um, I think I think you were um, hard done by with um with um what do you call it um Chibu, um not kicking off yet j- just yet. But I I think the um his points are just around the corner, mate. Yep, uh, I, I reckon the Roosters are looking at a big bounce back here. Trent Robertson sprayed him, so Tedesco and Latrell are definite plays and potential VC options. Uh, I captain Latrell last week for his sixty one points. Wasn't the worst thing in the world. Tupo had his worst game in a couple of months at 29 points. That was disappointing. I reckon he'll bounce back as well. Um, only other guy to, to mention in this one is Jake Fred came back absolutely on fire last week. So even though the Chooks lost and barely put on any points at all, Friendy came back and threw up 87 points. And he did that in 58 minutes. He obviously had a try in there and a line break, but he actually had a second line break and was really involved in everything. He looks really, really good, um, and it's hard to get him in because a lot of guys have uh, Cook and also Cameron Smith. Um, but, geez, if you didn't have Cameron Smith and you had a second hooker and you wanted to look for a pod, um, Jake Friend's come back on fire. Um, I'd be interested to see whether he plays 80 minutes this week. Oh, I couldn't do it, mate. Um, only because you know um, what's his name. Um, Radley's, been, Radley's, been, Radley's been going well there, and they, they need to find minutes, mate. He, he, they, they have to put him somewhere. Like, like, you, scared, like you said, he scored um, that line break try last week and had an extra, extra line break for an 80. So I'd be too concerned he comes back with sort of um, 45s and a 50 score, mate. He's not going to score every week. Yeah. In this draw. So he's, he's, um, he's an absolute no-go for me, mate. If I was going to pick one pod in that team, it would have to be um, the same as last week, Kiri. Yeah, well, we said last week that um, friend wasn't a buy um, when someone asked us in the mailbag, and it was because we thought that Radley would probably uh, take some minutes in hooker to give everyone um, enough minutes. That happened, but it was his first game back. I I wouldn't buy him this week at all, but if he plays 80 this week and you get a sense of what their rotation is going to look like and looks like that forward, the week after, um, I, I actually would have a look at him if I had quite a few trades left and I didn't want to go with the crowd on the second hooker. Um, but I need to make sure the next couple of weeks that he is actually played 80 and that was going to be his role. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's, he's got that pod factor to him, but I would have um, three guys obviously ahead of him, you know, Cook, Cook to Varga and Smith. Mate. Yeah. Well, um, other than that, mate, who do you reckon is going to win this one? Do you reckon that the Chooks are going to bounce back or Knights are going to give it to him again? No, mate. I'm not going to say your boys flog them because they haven't exactly done much of that lately, but... I think they bounce back. Yep. I think they um, I think they put a good sort of 12, 14 points on them, actually. Yeah, I think we'll win by double digits plus as well. Um, I think we're going to really be up for this one. Uh, Raiders versus Tigers is the next game. And Nick Kodrick's gone for three weeks, taking the early guilty plea for that spear tackle or non-spear tackle, depending on if you're talking to Ricky Stewart about it. Josh, Josh Hodgson had an ankle injury, but he's still been named. Uh, Papali returns to the starting side. For the Tigers, Robert Jennings was dropped and, and Momorowski's um, in there for him. Raiders absolutely drilled the Dragons last week and they had multiple guys kill it. Um, on the top of that list was Josh Hodson with 110 points. Um, huge effort. Um, Bateman was big again in the 60s. CNK fired with a, a close to a tonne. Our mate Jared Croker, who we said to hold and play for those that had him, um, he scored... Uh, pretty close to a ton himself as well. So um, every every one of the Raiders' big guns basically fired last week. Um, do you think they're going to be able to repeat it again for this matchup? I don't think they're as good as last week, but I think they'll put some points on again. 
Yeah, I, I'm tempted to play all my Raiders at GIO Stadium against um, the Tigers, but um, I can't fit Josh Hodgson in for another cameo, so I'm probably going to bench him. But I'm definitely playing Jared Croker in my centre wing. He's now gone 92, 18, 71 and 87 in his last four games. And notoriously, those Tigers-Raiders matchups at GIO Stadium have a lot of points. Those matchups have always had pretty good points in them, and, and I reckon they could put on a few. The Tigers just play an expansion game. I, I, I don't think the, the, Raiders, the Raiders will win 100%, but I just don't think they put sort of 36 points on them. I, I think it's more, you know, sort of three, three, three tries to sort of none or one. I reckon we might be looking at like a 28-12 type of scoreline. Aside from that, though, on the Tigers' side, um, one of the most traded out players is Isan Masters, and he was terrible last week with 30 points. Um, a couple of people asked some questions that we didn't get to about Masters. If you owned him, um, would you be biting the bullet to trade him out? He got 30 points last week after getting a, a return to form 84, but before that it was 42, 39, and 37, and he's been well below his best. Yeah, 100%. We, we said this at the beginning of the season. He's, he's never had more than a five-game rolling average of 60-something because even if he does get a big score, it's always followed by um, something mediocre to bring him right back to earth. So every pod score that he actually gets, uh, that he actually gets is completely negated within sort of two or three rounds. So he just doesn't have any value at all. So um, I haven't owned him uh, all season and I don't want to buy him now, mate. Yeah, no, you would be buying him. If you owned him, um, what I'd probably say to people is that um, it depends on the, your makeup of your team for this week. You know, I'm holding him this week. I'm not going to play him against the Raiders, though. He can just be the sixth centre wing sitting on the pine for me, um, and I'll just leave him there. But I don't think he's really worth the trade-out. Um, if you've got a deep team, you don't really need to. If you don't have any other moves to make, then I think it makes sense. Um, any captaincy or, or VC options for this one, Billy? If you own a Kroger, this is probably the one get one game of the year that you want to VC. Um, but for those that don't own him, if, if you were ever, if you were going to chuck a VC on this game, I'd I'd have a crack at Bateman. Yeah, Bateman's probably due for a big score. So I mean, even if you if you don't own some of those big guns like a Turbo, uh, Bateman could even be a safe C option at this point. Yeah, he's kind of like Madison, isn't he? You know, you know he's good for sixty points, but if he gets over that line of vision, ninety. Yeah, I, I like Bateman for this one as well. Uh, Cowboys Rabbits is the next one. Um, Jordan Coe, who's gone with a month with a fractured eye socket. A couple of non-relevant guys moving around. Michael Morgan has been named in the reserves from his concussion. Um, he may not pass his test to play still. Um, for the Rabbitohs, we don't have Sam Burgess yet. He misses out again. He's aiming for next week now. Um, other than that, the main news is that he's... Wayne Bennett's decided not to rest any of the Origin guys. There were some rumours that that might happen. None of them are being rested, which is good news. Damien Cook has scored a ton-plus the last three times he's played them, and I think he scored 133 points um, this year against them, um, where a lot of people got the C on him. He's a he's another fantastic option this week, and I'm, I'm very scared of what Damien Cook could do if I don't put a VC or a C on him. Yeah, he's got that 100 break even, but I'm bringing... I was... I was going to bring him being either to Varga or him back in this week, um, kind of just leaning, leaning towards Cook now and just, just saving the extra trade. But yeah, my, my only reservation was uh, does he get rested a, a little bit this week because he's he hasn't had um hasn't had a full break yet. You know what it's like, but um, they're, they're they're coming off a rough trot. They they need they need they need to win. It's not like it's three days after Origin, so. 
I don't know if I'm going to see or VC him, but I'll definitely, I'm pretty sure I'll be bringing him back in this week. He may very well be a VC or a C for me. His max score is 146 points, and that was against the Rabbitohs. It actually wasn't 133 this year that he scored. It was 146 in round nine. Versus the Cowboys, he averages more than any other team in the competition. Damien Cook's average versus the Cows is 94 points. That is absolutely huge. Yeah, mate, it's massive. Um, you're starting to get me thinking about it. <laughs> well, for those teams that are holding off because he's got a BE around 100, uh, I mean, I don't think he's going to go down in much value next week. I'd be getting him in for this week because I'd be too scared of another 140 points. Yeah, the risk of not earning him versus earning him, mate. Mate, it's just roll with the crowd. Um, had a really good run lately, uh, missing out on his on his 50 average and making um, 200k off him. But I think it's time to get him back. Um, other guys to talk about in this one: Braden Burns um, threw out a solid 40 without any real um, attacking stats last week. Um, hope for a bit more, but he's now 8k cheaper at um, 352k. He still looks like a, a great downgrade, and he could uh, go over the little stripe in this one against the cows too. Oh yeah, if you don't have him, just easy downgrade, great guy, just grab him. Yeah, and I'd even think that this week um, the trade that could be on is the South Sydney double. You can downgrade somebody to Braden Burns to give you money to go from your hooker to Damian Cook, and that could work out really well. Yeah, either, either of those great options, both even better. Um, Tom Malolo went well last week against the Chooks. Um, this Rabbits pack um, still probably isn't the best um, with Totola and Dean Britt, the starting props. It certainly looked a bit stronger. So Tom Malolo could still do decent in the middle here, but there's probably too many other good C and BC options this week to bother. I'll tell you what, I was shitting myself last week when he was on 50 after, what, 30 minutes or 20, 25 minutes. Oh, and then um, yeah. and then it just stopped. <laughs> Well, we're really lucky. There was three times in that first half alone that he almost went over for a try. One of them, he was crawling over and he lost the ball. It was very, very close to a big Jason Tom Lolo score last week. So I'm going for the Rabbitohs for uh, uh, double-digit winners again. I reckon they'll win by at least 12. Yeah, I, uh, I think they give them a bit of a hiding, mate. I'm playing all my Rabbits too. If I own any Rabbitohs, they're playing this week as well. Um, I'd get them all in your lineup, including Braden Burns. Titans versus Storm is our next one. Um, so, big news, Michael Gordon's back on the bench for the Titans. He's been out a very long time, um, but the bigger news is that obviously they've sacked their coach, and as we know, every time a team sacks their coach, normally they show up the following week, so against the Storm, they might actually put up a bit of a fight. A few guys have been dropped, like Anthony Don, um, and Joe Whitbread is a new lock with uh, Futuaka going back to the bench. So, the Storm have decided to rest a heap of players, mate. They've got Cameron Munston... Kafusi, Adokar and Will Chambers all rested. Along with that, a heap of guys coming in that are probably not too relevant to talk about. So the biggest news is that with this depleted Storm side, anyone that owns Munster is going to be in a bit of a tough position uh, in their 5-8 spot if they don't have a great play for that second 5-8. And anyone that was looking at bringing Munster in for this monster game against the Titans can't do that this week and they're going to have to put those plans on hold. Do you reckon I'll make Pappen House, Pappen Houston, Pappen Mache, whatever his name is, comes in. <laughs> Paper Mache does come in, mate. I think that, um, yeah, they've got Joe Stimson named at six, which isn't going to stick. If you own him, I'd, um, I'd look out for a late inclusion there. Um, if, if he's going to play this week at fullback, you do not want to lose that opportunity. Kind of like um, 
Mano playing at fullback last week. He sucked in that um, origin round, which everyone bought for him, but we got another throw at the stumps last week. So um, just like um, Patrick Mache, he missed, um, missed that, um, that, that shot at the uh, starting in the origin round. You, you might get lucky this week. So look out for the late inclusion. And if, if, if you start, take full advantage of that and pray he chucks up a big one for you. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, it's just hard when you've got so many good players to play, whether you can play a Pappenhausen, but it's definitely a pod play and he could carve up um, that Titans side. Having said that, the Titans, with their coach sacked and um, this really depleted Storm side now with you know four Origin players getting rested, I think it's actually going to be a pretty tight game. I don't think that the, um, the Storm are going to smash them like a lot of people were hoping. I reckon a lot of these rookies step up, mate. They they know they've got one week to show, to showcase what they've got before they go back to um to bench or get dropped again. So I I reckon they I reckon the Storm are not just as good as they normally are, but I think you see a few of these young kids sort of show up, mate. Especially in that spine. I'm going to call this a danger game. If there's going to be a big upset this week, like the Cowboys beating the Roosters last week, Titans upsetting the Storm this week, big upset I, potential. I. Nah, I reckon the Storm absolutely smashed them still, like they weren't missing anyone. Big call. If they do, Cam Smith becomes another great option, and this is just one of the best weeks ever for Supercoach VC and C options. Cameron Smith versus the Titans, uh, with Munster out and a host of Origin players not playing, he will probably take a lot of control with the ball, uh, probably be a part of the attack even more than what he already is, and could be in for a big score as well. Yeah, I don't like relying on him. Um... With a non three hundred or milestone type games, <laughs> um, especially with the age he's at now, mate. So I'll I'll lay him as a captain. I think he has a good game, but I don't want to bank on him putting putting any clutch in there. So play him if you got him, but no, DC or C, no go for Lever Smith. Fair enough. Well, let's move on to the last game, and it's your boys that we get to finish off on again. Eagles versus Eels at Lotto Land. The big news for this one is Turbo, who was rested last week, gets to return and Brendan Elliott leaves the side. For the Eels, there's actually no changes. And your boys, mate, after last week's win, are six on the ladder now. Yeah, mate. Doing good. Surging ahead. Um, last time the Eels showed this kind of form and we had a winger, uh, a winger like Sivo, I got a bit, I got a bit cheeky. I chucked... Um, Chucked ten bucks on uh, Rajada to be the first try scorer and the Eels to win by one to twelve at Manly at, at sort of eight eight to one I think it was and they had ten bucks on it so I cleaned up eight hundred bucks so if you're uh, banking on uh, Eels to roll on with it and uh, you got Sivo on your team I reckon uh, Sivo first try scorer Eels to win by one one to twelve so um and but also um. I'd uh, I'd cover your ass, throw the captaincy on a turbo just in case. <laughs> <laughs> well, two other eels that have gone pretty well lately, Gutho and Ferguson have, and Gutho's playing his ex club. Uh, I think Gutho was a junior at um, yeah, he was. He's playing his ex club here in the Eagles. So Gutho probably steps up, and he's played pretty well the last few weeks. He's got fifty five, sixty nine, and fifty nine. So it's been a pretty good three round average of sixty one points for him. Up against the Eagles, I think that he turns up, and, and I'm definitely playing him myself. Not sure I'm with you there. At home, yes, I I wouldn't do it at Manly, but mate, he, he'll 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 get some he'll get he'll get some points, but will he get enough points to make it to warrant his score being big enough for a super coach score when every team is stacked? Um, yeah, that's the part I'm not too sure. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty keen on playing him. Um, I'm, I'm probably more keen on him than Sivo, to be honest, because Sivo had his 23 last week, so we're probably on separate sides on that one. So let's make Blake Ferguson the tiebreaker, mate. Would you be playing Fergo if you owned him? And secondly, does he look like a sneaky buy at the moment? Because he is 460k, 60-71 the last two weeks. He's, he's been looking pretty good. <laughs> no, he doesn't play for the Chooks anymore. He's not playing... Um, he's not he's not playing fullback. He's not taking massive hit ups off the wing. He's, he's just in the wrong team, mate. I would not buy him at all. I, I'd be if I was going to be um, playing any of the yours this week, it would be Mao hundred percent and maybe a sneaky zero, but that's about it. I'd be benching the rest. Yeah, well, Mao's definitely a play. Um, I I disagree a little bit on Gutho. I'm I'm obviously going to be playing him. I think it'll be a decent game, but really, probably, we're talking about your eels because I'm trying to be polite, but all the news should be about Tom Trevojevic. Um, C option for sure. Um, could absolutely carve up your boys, mate, and he's had a week off to rest and think about it too. Yeah, I reckon um, this, is, this is the week that Turbo, that uh, Gerbo turns it around too. Yeah, it, Gerbo's shaping up as a real good buy at around the um, just over the 500k mark. He's a fantastic buy. Um, Daily Terry Evans will probably keep on keeping on this week and have a big score again. So this is the week if he's going to be your halfback run home that you should be grabbing him. Another guy that hasn't been going that great lately is Marty Tapao. But Billy, you have graced this podcast with fantastic stats and one of them is front row forwards, score tries versus the Eels. We've seen it all year. Marty Tapao in for a try this week, you reckon? I've sold him last week, so probably. <laughs> um, um, yeah, the, the, the eight or the team likely to go over, mate. I just hope it's not Jervo because I haven't got him. <laughs> I reckon the, I reckon the other bloke, I reckon uh, Finor Blake goes over this week. Oh, big call. One of them will probably go over. I'm sure it's going to happen. Um, I, I'm definitely playing Marty, though. I know a lot of people bench Marty a fair bit, but... Um, I'm playing him this week because of those stats for front rowers. I don't want to miss out if he scores a try and hits 100 points. Yeah, fair enough, mate. One last shout-out, and it's a filthy, filthy Paul Brown shout-out, and he'll know what that means. Curtis <laughs> Sirenen. Mate, Curtis Sirenen, very, very quietly, has absolutely blitzed it the last five weeks. I'm just going to tell you some numbers. Try not to fall off your chair, okay? Five-round average of 85, three-round average of 96, his last five games, 69, 70, 65, 106, and 116. He's got back-to-back tons, and he's scored three tries in the last two weeks. He is now 594K with a BE of one. He is absolutely killing it. And I tell you what, if you had spare trades and you just wanted to go balls out, pod, if you managed to grab him a couple of weeks ago, number one, you're absolutely crazy. But number two, you've made about 100K just by getting him the last two weeks. And you've also got back-to-back tons if you played him. Yeah, that, the first one was versus South. Was, sorry, versus uh, Gold Coast. But, but in, uh, last week, a uh, very, very ordinary South who are origin-weary. So I'd take it with a bit of a grain of salt, mate. Three games before that. Yeah, Penrith, North, Queensland, St. George, not half-decent teams. Did the quality of the opposition the last two games and seriously skewed those stats? Yeah, well, we probably did a disservice not mentioning him a couple of weeks ago, to be fair. We probably should have after he went 69, 70, 65. But um, we probably also did our draft listeners a disservice too. He should have been picked up a few weeks back if he was on any waiver-wise 
So we might finish the pod on your prediction, Billy. Who's going to win this one and by how much? I'm going to go balls out and I'm going to say, um, I'm going to stick with my um, Simo first try score at Eels by 1 to 12. Massive. Um, I, I reckon this is going to be one of the best games of the round. I think it's a real close one. I've got no idea who wins, but I think that we're going to be in store for a lot of points. I'm going to call both teams to score 20 plus points in this one. Um, and Turbo, you're going to look at a score of at least 90 plus. On that note, mate, we'll finish up. Thanks for jumping on the pod again. Good luck this week. Yeah, cheers, mate. You too, brother. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, As always, you can download us or stream on iTunes or SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. Thanks for the follows and the shares and everything. Keep sharing us around and following. Uh, Good luck this week. Good luck for your trades for the run home. And like always, we'll chat to you again next week.